Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Hey guys, it's Robert from The College Investor, and today I am going to deep dive into how to calculate your expected family contribution for financial aid. And if you didn't realize this, maybe uh, it's your first time going to apply for college, you have a high school senior, um, it is FAFSA season or financial aid season, and this is the time when uh, students around the country are applying for their colleges and applying for financial aid. And one of the big Big determinants of whether you get financial aid is your expected family contribution, your EFC. And so if you're hoping to get a substantial amount of need-based financial aid for college, your uh, expected family contribution is one of the most important numbers that is out there. Uh, need-based financial aid is aid you received because you couldn't afford college otherwise. This is important to note it's different than merit-based financial aid because merit-based doesn't depend on your family's financial situation, but is based on other factors like academic, athletic, artistic, or service achievements. Um, So the expected family contribution is all about getting need-based financial aid. These are things like subsidized student loans, Pell Grants, state-based grants, or some organizations and schools provide need-based aid as well. And you could find out more about that from your school's financial aid office. So let's dive in a little bit understand what expected family contribution is um, and you know kind of go from there. So after you're admitted to your dream school, a complex set of gears grinds into action. First, each school calculates a cost of attendance, and that is a number that includes tuition, room and board, and other anticipated costs like books, transportation, technology, and more. And If you don't know where this is, if you just Google your school's name and cost of attendance, it typically comes right up on their financial aid website. Then, based on the information you provided about your family's income and assets, the federal government and the college will then come up with the expected family contribution. That's the money that you and your family are expected to pay towards your education during the school year. If you subtract or subtract the expected family contribution from the cost of attendance, you get the number that you're really interested in, how much financial aid you'll be eligible for from the government your school or both. Just watch out because when you get that financial aid number, it might include loans and grants. And student loans, they call them financial aid, but really they're student loans. So just be aware of that when you see that come up. So where exactly does this magical expected financial or family contribution number come from? Well, it's calculated different ways by the federal government and by some schools, but it's all based on a reporting of your family's assets and sometimes your home and business assets, your family's income, the size of your family, and the number of children enrolled in college. None of these formulas take into consideration debt, so that includes credit cards, mortgages, or other student loans. However, uh, or sorry, they are entirely based on assets and income, and they are heavily weighted towards income, meaning a high-income family with few assets could end up with a higher expected family 
expected family contribution than a lower income family that owns a house and has a substantial savings. So there are two main ways to calculate expected family contribution, and that's the FAFSA or CSS. FAFSA or CSS. And we're going to dive into the FAFSA first. So the FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid, and it's required of every student in the United States seeking any kind of federal financial aid, including student loans. So if you want to get federal student loans, you have to fill out the FAFSA. Every year that you attend college, you will have to file a FAFSA, and it's done online, and it's super easy, um, and a brand new, every year, a brand new calculation of your expected family contribution will be made, and then based on that, you'll get qualified for any federal loans you could qualify for or scholarships or grants, so the expected family contribution formula is complicated because it takes a lot of factors into account. And it also changes slightly from year to year. If you want to look at the rules, I link to them in the article on the blog at thecollegeinvestor.com. But for 2019-2020 school year, it's a 36-page guide to walk you through how to calculate the expected family contribution. It's kind of ridiculous, right? Um, so the Department of Education uses actually three formulas to calculate your expected family contribution. And it depends on what type of student you are. Formula A is for dependent students. And this is for anyone who can be claimed as a dependent on their parents' taxes. Formula B is for independent students who don't have a dependent or other than a spouse. So this is for no kids, basically. And formula C is for independent students who do have kids. Uh, so we're not going to be able to talk about all the nuances here, but I wanted to give you um, a rough start on how to get what your expected family contribution might be. And there's also things you can check out online, like the Department of Education has a FAFSA forecaster tool that I also link to on the blog, and you can uh, you know, get a little estimate of your EFC. So first, before we get in, Parents are generally expected to contribute up to 47% of their net income to the cost of college every year. That's kind of crazy, right? 47%, but that doesn't mean 47% of every dollar you earned. Um, it's cumulative. So if you have multiple children in college at the same time, it's up to 47% for all of them combined. Um, so if you take your adjusted gross income from your parents' tax return, um, you know you can add in a bunch of different things and you multiply it by 0.47 to get the amount you're probably going to be expected to spend on college next year. So if your parents made four $40,000, the aid formulas are going to anticipate that you can safely spend $18,800 a year. Now, uh, that's a little crazy, but that's what the government thinks. All right. Number two is the formula is going to look at your parents' assets. The FAFSA isn't interested in your retirement accounts, so those are sheltered. It also doesn't look at home equity or the assets of small businesses with fewer than 100 employees. But it does want to know what your parents have in checking, savings, and taxable investment accounts. So you get a total for this number by adding everything up um, and multiplying it by 0.0564 to how determine how much of these assets are expected to be available for college spending. Um, so third, the formula wants to know what your income and assets are as a student. So uh, 
If you have income, you subtract your taxes and you get a $6,600 buffer and you multiply the remaining amount by 0.2 or 20%. Uh, you can basically expect to spend 20% of your value of your assets towards college. And if you have a 529 account, you're going to multiply the value of that by 0.0564%, uh, which is 5.64% that you're expected to spend on uh, your college. If you're an independent student, this formula only considers income and assets from you and your spouse. Uh, so it's important to know that it won't include your parents' assets once you're an independent student. However, when you're an independent student, you're expected to pay about 50% of your stuff, of your net income towards college. And if you're an independent student with kids, um, your expected family contribution is calculated a third way and the percentage of income you'll be expected to contribute will vary based on the number of dependents you have and your age. So this one, uh, go to the FAFSA forecaster tool because it gets really complex about what it takes. So the FAFSA is a useful tool, but it also has gotten a lot of flack because it doesn't include things like retirement accounts, businesses, other things that you know people could take into consideration. So another alternative way to calculate your expected family contribution has come into play. And about 200 colleges and universities in the United States ask for a CSS profile. And this is College Board's College Scholarship Service Profile. Um, and oh, these 200 colleges though, they also still require you to file a FAFSA. They just added the CSS. So you don't get out of a FAFSA. You still need to file the FAFSA every year. But the CSS profile um, is a tool that these schools use to give away their own money. And they are highly selective about um, who they choose. So the CSS profile can never be used to determine your eligibility for federal aid. It's only used to determine your access to your college's scholarship dollars. So if your school uses the CSS profile, it's gonna ask a lot of information about you and your parents' income and assets, the same way the FAFSA does. And some of it might seem really irrelevant. And it may not even use all this information in its formal calculations, but it does present this profile to your school's financial aid office. The CSS profile does, does ask about your parents' retirement account assets, even though it won't expect them to spend any of that money on college. Why ask though? College financial aid officers who use the CSS profile say that they just want to have as complete a picture of the family's finances as possible because they do have some discretion over how aid is distributed and might be able to give a little bit more to a family that doesn't have a lot of savings. So once again, it's not in their calculation, but the school does see this stuff. Um, because each college does run its calculation dif uh, differently, it's much more challenging to calculate your own expected family contribution using the CSS profile. But you can start with the idea that your parents will still be expected to spend about 47% of their net income. However, it's likely calculated on a two-year average than on a one-year reporting. Schools say this lets them take better account into, uh, lets them take variable income into better account. And this can work in your favor if you had unusually low income in one of those two years. But it could also work against you if your income is actually higher in like the two years ago than it was one year ago. The CSS formula for accounting assets takes into account several factors that the FAFSA does not. 
For example, home equity up to 1.2 times the parent's AGI gets counted, and so do small business assets, which are also ignored by the FAFSA. Note that every college calculates this number slightly differently, so you can only get a rough estimate when you do this uh, number and calculation for yourself. And students' assets in general should be added up and multiplied by 0.25. However, many schools are treating student-owned 529 savings like parental assets, and so they get multiplied by 0.05 instead. But some schools do expect you to spend 25% of these plans per year. So, and that makes sense, right? If it's a four-year college and you have a 529 plan, they expect you to spend 25% of your 529 plan every year. So... At the end of the day, the expected family contribution seems really high, <laughs> especially compared to what we can actually afford, right? Like that is what the number one complaint is about this tool. And yeah, there's just no way around it. The expected family contribution is for most people not an affordable number. So keep in mind though, that there will be a lot of other things going on as you decide what college you can afford to go to and how to make it happen. For example, you may be able to use a 529 plan, uh, not just the 6% a year that the FAFSA asks for, but the 25% a year that makes more sense. You can attend a cheaper college, like a community college or a state school. Um, and the entire cost of attendance may be less than your expected family contribution, which means that you don't qualify for aid, but you could still probably afford it because it is a less expensive school. So when it comes to paying for college, the big thing is to think about your return on investment, ROI. Now, there are definitely some soft factors of ROI, like moving away from home, learning to be independent, uh, learning to think for yourself, and so on. But there also is a solid ROI of what you're going to college for, what job you want, and what income you can expect to make. So if you're gonna go to college to be a teacher, don't spend more than $40,000 doing it because the math doesn't make sense because you're only gonna earn $40,000 after graduation. Like, I know you wanna go to this fancy private school, but if it costs you $150,000 uh, just to be a teacher, it doesn't make sense financially when you can be a teacher for $15,000 by starting a community college and then going to a state school for two years and getting your teaching credential. Like, there's easier, cheaper ways to do it and the expected family contribution, while seeming unaffordable, is actually a great tool to realize what it actually is gonna to cost to pay for college and should you actually be doing that. So hopefully this helps you understand uh, how to calculate your expected family contribution a little bit better. Uh, there's tools out there that can help you do it. You don't have to just do this on the back of an envelope at your desk, uh, but it's important to know what your expected family contribution is, especially as you're figuring out your different financial aid options. All right, guys, hopefully this was enlightening for you. And if you like it, please subscribe to the show, leave a comment on the blog. I love to hear from you. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you next time.